Welcome back to the Movement Performance Podcast, uh, brought to you by The Movement. My name is Don, and with me as always is Jess. Jess, how are you doing today? I'm good, and I'm excited to record this for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we did this, this, this podcast in its entirety, and... Realized we didn't hit record. Classic newbie mistake. Gotta happen um, at least once, right? Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be the last time, in all honesty. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but in, in all honesty, it's been like what, a, what an amazing little glimpse of summer we've got here. We're having a fake, fake summer or a false summer. It's like almost 30 degrees outside today again. Yeah, it's crazy. A little bit, little bit, a uh, little bit scary, but that's not what this podcast is about, right? <laughs> um, what we're chatting about today is uh, blood flow restriction therapy, um, and we're going to try to make it really applicable. Discuss um, what it is, when to use it, a um, little bit about what the research says, but then really dive into how to apply it and the safety. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a fun one. I think it's really useful, and we can probably use it more than we do. Is what I would say. Yeah, I think I think generally, um, as a profession, we definitely need to use it more. And, uh, you know, I think there needs to be more good information out there about um, its safety and its use, because it's definitely um, catching some some speed in the medical community. Like definitely we're starting to get more referrals from physicians Mm -hmm. and surgeons um, referring for BFR, which is amazing that it's actually kind of gaining some traction, yeah. right? Do you want to start by just talking a little bit about what it is? Yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> generally speaking, blood flow restriction therapy is uh, the application of um, basically blood uh, blood pressure cuffs uh, very close to the armpit and very close to the, uh, to the upper thigh, like as close to the groin as possible. Um, and then we increase the pressure to a point where there's restriction but not complete occlusion of uh, of venous return so not necessarily of blood going in but um, we're restricting the flow of blood out of the limb Um, and so what we then do is we we do low intensity exercise and the cool thing is it basically tricks the body into because of the the accumulation of metabolites like you know from from exercise it, it tricks the body into into thinking it did high intensity exercise mm-hmm. and and we get a response accordingly yeah yeah it's pretty cool the pump you can get from lifting like barely anything using one of those totally yeah you know like with with really deconditioned people you almost don't even need to add any weight right you could yeah. be doing like you know <laughs> um just bicep curls yeah. with uh you it's know, pretty crazy. <laughs> with it, without a load or holding onto an empty water bottle, yeah. <laughs> and you get a pump. Um, but basically, the the response that the that the body has is systemic. So it's not just below the cuffs that you get this response. It's throughout the whole body. Um, and the reason for that is that <clears throat> we basically get a hormonal response. And so our body releases things like human growth hormone and insulin-like growth factor, which are super critical hormones in both um, muscle building and tissue recovery in general, whether we're talking about, you know, uh, tendons, muscles, um, bones, or, or uh, um, ligaments even, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's really exciting, and the research is super strong for it. It's been around for a long time, but really it's, it's just, again, starting to get, get traction in the, the mainstream sort of healthcare system at this point. Um, 
which is both a shame and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're heading in the right direction. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, should I go into a little bit of when to use it? Yeah. Why don't, why don't you chat a little bit about like when, when we like to use it and, and maybe how our mindset goes into deciding if it's appropriate or not. Yeah, sure. So, um, a lot of times we'll use it after an injury or after surgery. Um, and then the timing of that is usually more in the acute phase. So mm-hmm. an example, even if someone is like, it, like say they are unable to weight bear on the one side or if they're casted, I'll still start performing it on the, even the other leg mm-hmm. just to get some of those like metabolic responses that we talked about. Mm-hmm. It can help like decrease how much muscle mass you're kind of using in that injured side. How much you're losing. Yeah. Yeah. How much you're losing. Totally. Um, and then as soon as they're, you know, able to do something, so they had a cast on, they come out of it. Usually that's when I can start some of that blood flow restriction therapy because they might not be able to weight bear, mm-hmm. but at least then you can start making some gains with very little impact on like the actual tissues. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, to be, to be clear, um, depending on the surgery and depending on how cute they are, I would actually be applying the, the, the blood flow restriction on both limbs, mm-hmm. right? Even on the surgical limb, it's just that maybe, um, the exercise I'm doing on the, um, operative or injured limb might be a little bit different than, than on the, yeah, than definitely. on operative, right? Um, for sure. So that's, that's one great, great use. And I guess the key there is that, you know, we can get a strength stimulus when you're doing exercises that are very clearly below the um, threshold to get that sort of stimulus in, in like an athlete or yeah. um, post-operative individual. Yeah. And then another example I feel like is say they've injured something like they broke their ribs, but they still want to be training their fingers for climbing. You can use that if they can't like actually hang or pull any weight because of the pain, you can use that to still get some stimulus in their fingers and get some strength gains or like at least maintain without adding any load that's going to hurt the other area. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a big one like that after injury sort of utilization in the acute phase is like, I think it's pretty commonly used. Um, you know, we often see people integrating it sort of when they're getting a little bit further into their rehab as well. And, you know, maybe they're, they had an ACL and they're already returned to squatting, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're able to load up a barbell and start squatting and yet they're integrating BFR training. And I would argue that there's maybe, you know, you really need to think about the application at that mm-hmm. phase. Like, why are you doing that? Right. Yeah. Um, and there may be some good reasons, but, but generally speaking in, after injury, I use it in, in that earlier phase yeah. for sure. Because eventually you do want to be loading some of those totally. tissues, right? You want to load the joint. You want to load the ligaments yeah. once yeah. you're further along. Yeah. Bone, bones and, uh, bones and, and cartilage, um, respond to loading. Yeah. Right. And so if you're going to be putting that stress on it, um, say you're a free skier and you're going to be taking 20, 30, 40 foot, um, cliffs, you know, you're going to be putting impact on <laughs> yeah. that joint. You need to be like, you know, training, uh, that tolerance. Right. So, but, um, speaking of, of sort of like performance of a sport in season is another time that, that I love to incorporate blood flow restriction therapy. Um, especially in people who have used it before. Um, because the first time you use BFR, you, you know, um, <laughs> you definitely, you're definitely going to be sore, yeah. right? Cause your cells aren't used to sort of swelling up the way they do with BFR and you know, that novel stimulus is going to lead to some soreness, mm-hmm. right? hundred percent. Um, but you're going to adapt to that really quickly and, 
uh, for future ses sessions, you're not going to get that sort of um, classic muscle soreness that you get after a big workout. Um, because the beauty of BFR is that it doesn't actually, because of the low load, the low intensity that you're working at, you know, you don't end up loading um, the tissues to the point of damage, right? And we aren't stressing the nervous system um, with either really fast movement or or really um, heavy loading, yeah. right? So basically you're maintaining your gains without kind of like getting that soreness or getting that like neural fatigue that you would normally see. Totally, yeah. So in season, we can use this like two days a week um, for, you know, doing like a full body sort of upper lower body BFR session. And you can make some really great um, maintenance of the gains that you made in the off season, mm -hmm. right? Um, versus that sort of classic, you know, you get in season and you're like performing, 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 and you're getting this taper of, yeah. of sort of like, um, strength and capacity leading into those sort of like, you know, pinnacle events or key periods, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so for sure, from a maintenance perspective, it's useful. But then, um, you know, even if you're doing like repeated days of um, climbing or repeated days in, you know, skiing, um, we can actually use it to promote recovery as well. Because yeah. again, we're not we're not adding uh, much physical or neurological fatigue to the system, but we're promoting the, these beautiful IGF and and sort of HGH responses that are going to lead to improved recovery. Yeah, which is really important in season. That's what we hear a lot. I feel like from the athletes, like how it can recover better. Totally. So this would be a good tool. Yeah, really great tool. And then you know, I, I guess the one piece that we haven't talked about from recovery perspective is that that um, restriction and sort of release and reperfusion in and of itself can lead to some really nice flushing of mm -hmm. the uh, um, kind of inflammatory and metabolites um, yeah. that, that, that can accumulate from, you know, repeated days or big days out. Yeah. Right. All right. Should we go through a little bit on how to use it? Yeah. Let's, make it applicable? Yeah. Let's, let's dive in on that. So, I mean, really it's, it's pretty simple, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, there are some key features to keep it um, relatively safe. Um, and actually, let's go through that first, right? So okay. a lot of people are nervous about applying. They're like, oh, my God, why would I block my blood flow? That's that's scary, like <laughs> occlusion, right? Yeah. And I always bring people to the idea of surgery, right? You know, you go for a ACL surgery. You go for, you know, uh, break your elbow. You go for a repair on your elbow you're in a tourniquet for one, two, three, four hours sometimes with complete occlusion mm -hmm. of flow in and flow out, right? And, you know, yes, when, when, the, when we have those prolonged periods and then there's likely some inactivity afterwards, there are risks of blood clots, right? Um, but the risk is quite low even still in that scenario, mm -hmm. <laughs> relatively speaking. Um, and all we're doing is limiting flow, not completely occluding, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, if, if there is any sort of uncertainty around its safety, I'd urge you to, to think about that. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. Mind you, there are some cases where um, where it is sort of flagged, right? Mm -hmm. You know, around, around pregnancy, certain, um, you know, if you've had pre history of blood clots, you know, there are some cases where you're, we're definitely going to throw a flag on, on the application of BFR, but they're relatively few and far between yeah <laughs> yeah makes sense there's those are definitely cases we don't want to risk it but otherwise 
I haven't actually had anyone I wasn't able to apply it with. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, I, I pretty much use it with every post-operative mm-hmm. case. Um, use it with a lot of climbers around pulleys, um, that sort of thing when they're when they're really acute, um, unable to load. Um, but <clears throat> let's go a little bit more into the application. So, you know, where we apply it. So regardless of whether we're doing upper body or lower body, I always do all four limbs. Um, and the key is when you're applying it from a safety perspective that you're applying it as close to the armpit and as close to the groin as possible um, just to reduce the likelihood of compression on on nerves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so from a pressure perspective, we're going to be using different pressures for the lower and upper, and the pressure is going to vary by individual. Um, And there's a couple ways that we can go through how to pressurize it but generally speaking lower body is pressurized between like you know 180 to 210 maybe 220 um, whereas uh, upper body is pressurized closer to like the 150 range right Um, now we generally use like rpe right yeah Um, and so that's what we use to sort of gauge how intense people should um, should pressurize it <clears throat> and we usually say if you pressurize it to about a six out of ten on a tightness scale yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, you're going to be pretty safe and you're going to get the benefits of the of the restriction right yeah. um, now are there any do you what are some flags that you use for um, oh that might be a little bit too tight oh like like uh, with my patients yeah um, like they kind of like based on like how they're feeling or if they're like feeling it so tight, they actually can't do the movement would be like one of my flags. Mm. Uh, what about you? Yeah, also, I mean, um, some some sort of tingling and numbness is, mm. is normal, um, right? But it, it shouldn't be like, com- you literally can't hold on to a weight, for example, yeah. it's so numb, but like a little bit of a, a minor sort of tingle or, you know, coolness is, isn't, isn't surprising because of the the restriction of flow um but also between exercises when you are re, like uh completely depressurized that should snap back relatively quickly mm-hmm. right within that two minute window you should be back to baseline <clears throat> and when you reapply the um, the restriction it should take as long as it did the first time to sort of go back to that sensation yeah. right um but I always err on the side of, side of less tingling. Yeah. Right? I just say it feels like, a, I also, like sometimes describe it as like a little bit weird, but not mm-hmm. to the point where you feel like, you know, when you fall asleep on your hand, you can't feel it at all. Not yeah, to that old, point. The old Saturday night palsy. Fall, yeah. fall asleep arm over a chair. Yeah. Yeah. Not to um, that point. For sure. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about like the actual, you know, sets and reps and yeah. number of exercises and, you know, what exercises you might choose start with the lower body yeah so normally what we'll do is we'll pick kind of four exercises to go through and none of these are going to be super difficult like we're going to pick things like a goblet squat not like a heavy back squat because we're loading it like quite light Mm -hmm. um so we'll pick four of those and then what we do is four sets of each of those your first set you do 30 reps second set third set and fourth set are 15 reps so your first set's just like a little bit longer than the other three and then between each of your sets you're having like a two uh, minute reperfusion time sorry between each exercise yes between each exercise sorry right 
Yeah. yeah. And between each set, it's a 30 second rest. pressurized rest. Yes. Sorry so, about that. Yeah, it's okay. We're, so we're going to be like doing maintaining pressure throughout an entire exercise for all 75 reps. Um, but between the 30 reps, you're going to do a 30 second rest. Between the 15 reps, you're going to do 30 Same. second rest, right? Um, and then between exercises, we're going to completely eliminate the pressure. Um, let things reperfuse for two minutes and then we're going to go into the next exercise, right? Yeah. And so you kind of referenced goblet squat, a few others that I like to use for, um, for the lower body might be like, you know, a split squat, a calf raise, a glute bridge, things like that. Pretty low intensity exercises. Um, and you know, if somebody were totally post-op, it might be even, even easier. It might be like, you know, a side-lying leg lift or Mm -hmm. a kind of an, an active straight leg raise a heel raise um you know really basic stuff of clamshells maybe yeah. even you know <laughs> it doesn't have to be too hard um, kind of kind of classic rehab exercises the exercises that you think of as like when you go to physio right yeah. if you're not going to like a, if you're not going to a performance physio yeah. you know the exercises that you might expect to get you know yeah very true <laughs> um uh and then upper body wise i'll normally do things like lateral raise bicep curl you know tricep kickback yeah or like a wall push-up um you know a counter push-up yeah um you know things that are going to be like well below your normal sort of um (laughs) yeah tolerance you know for like bicep curls i might use like eight pounds you know (laughs) and and yeah yeah it's hilarious um and, and then if we were going more into like the the fingers you know um, you might do like a banded finger curl or mm-hmm. um, sort of, you know, a wrist, wrist extension with a light weight or um, things like that. Yeah. Um, hammer curl, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So <clears throat> another way that I like to use it, especially in season, so those are more like um, certainly when I'm, when I'm doing like um, rehab, I like to try to target the, the, the region um, a little bit more specifically, especially as they're able to load it. Um, I will target the region, region a little bit more specifically. Um, but in season, I sometimes will just have people apply the cuffs and go for a walk, apply the cuffs mm-hmm. and sit on the bike. Um, and what I might do is sort of like five minute um, intervals with two minute, um, sorry, five, not intervals, <laughs> a five minute period of, of light sort of cardiovascular activity, whether that's like, you know, um, kind of power walking your dog or, or sitting on a bike at a, you know, moderate intensity, and then a two minute depressurization period. And I would do like two or three sets of that. Yeah. Um, and in that situation, the cool thing is, is you're, there's, there's research showing that we can get like a cardiovascular or a- aerobic stimulus as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, some some improved uh um in fact like high intensity uh, or like re- response to like high intensity exercise right yeah and then um, even just for recovery i find that one really helpful t- totally and, and that's where i often use it i don't necessarily think of this as a tool so much for like aerobic um improvements especially <laughs> in most of my athletes yeah. but i but i do think of it as like an easy way to uh to sneak in some reperfusion and uh, um and recovery yeah totally and I think the important thing to remember after like whether it's like upper lower body or cardio is just that period after you're done like the whole session try and spend like the next five minutes like moving around you don't want to just like sit still after yeah which commonly people don't sit still right after their workout but 
you know, just move around, like whether it's a light walk or just putting things away. Just don't sit still. Just get the blood going again. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think that I always, I, I agree. I always recommend that people sort of stay moving for about like five, ten minutes just mm-hmm. to like help with that re- reperfusion for sure. Um, but I think that's all I really wanted to go through was just give some give some generic uh, examples of, of exercises we might use, some of the general sort of guidelines around uh, sets, reps, rest, depressurization, pressurization, how to how to determine the right the right pressure to use, um, and uh, you know certainly there's some more specifics around this, but I think that's a really great little primer on blood flow restriction. Yeah, that was perfect. Sweet, thanks, Jess. That was uh, that was fun. Um, yeah. Let's let's get outside and enjoy this weather. Yeah, get some sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good.